Hello, hello, hello. I'm so happy to announce that we are coming back for a special episode. Um, it's with Robert Huffman, who is part of Movember. If you don't know about this, about this incredible organization, about all the mustaches that you're seeing across the world, listen to this episode. It's a little teaser. It's incredible. It's funny. We talk about how he lost his virginity on a podcast. So just listen just for that because that's a lot of fun. Um, So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this. It's a little sneak peek of what's coming for 2020. So how long have you had your mustache for? (laughs) <laughs> this one's only 19 days old. So I, I, I re. So you I get rid of it, it after November. Yeah. So traditional rules are that you have to actually clean shave okay. your face on the first. Okay. And start fresh and grow a mustache for 30 days. And um, then you have to be like contractually like done for the rest of the year. Like, what if you look really good with a mustache and you want to like keep that look? So I keep my mustache okay. throughout the year. Okay. A- after okay. This. Yeah. Okay. That's what the ladies want to hear. <laughs> right. But essentially, like the, the purpose of the, the reshaving is um, because the goal is to, you know, change the face of men's health. And so if you always have a mustache, um, you're not really changing anything and people aren't really right. asking you questions. So the goal is to actually look a little bit different mm-hmm. for 30 days. And especially the first two weeks of growing a mustache, you look ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's not that I cute. I mean, if you're keeping it neat. Unless you're um, Burt Reynolds. Right, but <laughs> even then, it's it's like a dirty upper lip, you know, yeah. it's slowly growing in. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it takes a lot of confidence to walk into a, a room full of people with, you know, a week-long mustache yeah. if you really, you know, keep it neat on the on the jawline. Um, and so that's the goal is if I can grow a mustache for 30 days, then we can talk about more than just sports and the weather. Right. We can what do you prefer? Do you prefer yourself with a mustache? Are you I do like now, going, yeah. yeah, now you're into it. I do it. now. Okay, so... I'm here with Robert Huffman. I said your last name, right? That's, that's right. right. Okay. Yep. It seems like a pretty easy name. So, yep. <laughs> but I always seem to fuck up everyone's name, so yep. I can't be quite sure. Um, and you're here for November, and this is your first podcast. So I'm technically taking your virginity. So thank you so much for coming. Yep. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, can you tell me? I know so much about Movember, but in a very different way. It's kind of from. Um, friends and past coworkers that were part of this campaign and part of this movement, if you will. But I guess I don't really know the nitty and gritty and specifics because I thought Movember was specifically just for um, uh, cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. I did not know that it was part of mental health awareness as well until I saw you in a panel. So... Mm-hmm. What's the story? Yeah. So, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, for my first ever podcast. This yeah. is incredible. <laughs> and, uh, yes. So, to speak about Movember, um, Movember has become the world's largest charity changing the face of men's health. Okay. Um, and so, it got started in 2003, uh, just a couple guys sitting in a bar talking about fashion trends and how they've come and gone. Okay. Um, and the one thing that's never come very, back. Very interesting point, conversation <laughs> yeah. for men to have at a bar. I know, yeah. <laughs> and it was down in Melbourne, Australia, too. So, um, and they they realized that, that the mustache had never come back, right? So all these things come back, especially here in L.A. You say the 90s, you know, trends come back with the, right. the faded jeans. Um, but the mustache never really came back. Um, and so they decided to dedicate the month of November um, to Movember and challenge all their guys to grow mustaches um, just for the hilarity of it, right? right. Just because it's hilarious to grow a mustache. Yeah. And so they, they did that and they realized that they were sparking a lot of conversations um, with growing mustaches. And so then the following year, they decided to dedicate the month to men's health. 
um, because they were inspired what women have started um, with uh, breast cancer awareness in October and how something as simple as a pink ribbon can actually mm-hmm. start a conversation and really empower women mm-hmm. uh, to check themselves and start the conversation around women's health. Um, and so since then, since 2003, November um, has raised over $900 million, has wow. gotten over 6 million people to participate. Uh, and all that money's gone to fund over 1,250 men's health projects, um, specifically focused in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, men's mental health and suicide prevention. Um, and to your point, we've been funding uh, mental health projects since 2006. Um, and the reason we focus on men's mental health is because three out of four suicides are by men. Right. And I haven't even gotten to that statistic yet. So thank you so yeah. much for bringing that up. No, because honestly, we I, I seem to focus a lot about mental health, but we don't get into kind of the the nitty and gritty of it, which is why I brought you here. So thank you so much for that. Why did, so this was all based out of Australia and then Mm -hmm. it came to the States? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So it started off in Australia in 2003 and it moved to the U.S. in 2008 um, and around the world, um, essentially. And so now we have offices in Los Angeles, uh, London, Toronto, and our global headquarters is down in Melbourne, Australia. Oh my gosh. Do you love Australia? You know, I've actually never been down there. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, my role is, is focused here in the U.S. Okay. Um, and so technically I haven't really had a reason yet, um, but I've only been with the foundation for two years, and okay. so hopefully that time's coming up. What brought you to the foundation? That's, that's a great question. So I've been <laughs> I've been a MoBro. So we call our community MoBros and Mo Sisters. And okay. I, I've been a MoBro for 11 years now. I got started off in college in my fraternity. We just thought it was hilarious that you can do something for charity by growing a mustache. Right. Um, and so that's when I got started. And then I slowly got more involved uh, in the campaign year after year. Um, after college, I worked in aviation finance. And so I was doing that for five years. And then, did, That's very – how did you yeah, get that? Yeah, that's a different conversation. But, uh, <laughs> that's for a different show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I really wanted more to my career. So I kind of saw my life going down the, um, the world of finance. And I, I'm not a finance guy. Like finance was my least favorite subject in school. But that's what you ended up doing. That's what I ended up doing. Irony. <laughs> Had student debt to pay off. And so I'm like, all right, yeah. let me do this as fast as I can. And so I did that and um, worked with a, a lot of older men within that industry. Um, and I realized, wow, I, there's still so much work to be done within men's health um, and the reason that I do Movember and, and the story behind my mustache is because my grandfather took his life. And so um, I just felt this calling to work for the foundation and a job opened up. Um, and so I took that role and moved out here to L.A. to essentially be a mustache farmer. Where did you move from? <laughs> Denver, Colorado is where I lived previously. Is that where you're from? No, I'm from the southeast. Uh, born in Tennessee. Um, moved around a lot, but ended up going to high school and college in Florida. Okay, Florida. Yeah, Florida. Like so near I'm, Disney World. I'm a, a, a Florida man. If you uh, if you ever Google Florida man, I'm essentially one of those guys. <laughs> Were you near Disney World? I was. Yeah, I, I went to high school in Orlando, so close oh, to Disney. That would be my dream. Yeah. Are you someone? Okay, I saw. Let's say this. I saw you in a panel. I interviewed Mike Diamond, who mm, was yep. um, one of the guys that was on the panel. And all of there were four of you, right? Mm-hmm. Four of your five. Someone was 
moderating it. Yep. Anyways, you all had very different opinions on mental health and different stories as why you got involved with it. Um, Ivana and I were very drawn to your story because you were very chill and relaxed about the way that you talked about mental health. And when you brought up how your grandfather had taken his own life, you did it in a way that you made it sound very stigma-free. And I want you to know the way you speak about it is incredible. So thank you so much for being a cool voice like that and and treating it and normalizing it. But when, how old were you when this happened? I wasn't even born. You weren't even born. Life, yeah. And I think I remember, if I'm saying this wrong, you found out later in life Mm -hmm. from someone else because no one said that that was truly what happened to him, how he died, right? Yeah, so I found out from my mom. So when I found out, I was uh, 20 years old, um, and I'd come back from college for Thanksgiving dinner with a mustache. Um, And so (laughs) my mustache looked horrible because it was about 10 little hairs slowly (laughs) growing out of my upper lip. So it was not, I mean, it's gotten a lot better since then. Um, But yeah, I was 20, came home and my mom was like, you got to shave that thing off. And I'm like, no, I'm doing it for men's health. And at that point I had no real like tie to Movember or Mm -hmm. the causes. Um, But I just thought it was hilarious that you can grow a mustache for charity. And so I was doing it and I was, you know, naming off the causes that, that we focus on, male cancers and mental health and suicide prevention. And um, and I told her, I was like, look, I don't have any relation to, to this cause, but I just love it. And she, at that point, she had always told me that my grandfather had died from a heart attack. Okay. Um, when he was 37 years old, she was nine years old. Um, and so whenever I'd fill out family trees, like, you know, just growing up, that's what I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, she thought that it was best that I actually know the truth. And that's when she opened up about his suicide. Um, and how that affected her life, her entire family's life, her brother, which is my uncle, who moved out to Los Angeles um, very soon after he he found out about his father's suicide and um, took a very different path. When he was younger? Yeah, when he was younger. Right. He moved out here when so he was 16. So they all knew. They weren't lied to about it. They knew. He was not home when it happened, mm. um, whereas my mom was. Mm-hmm. And so he was told a few years down the road. Um, and so... There was quite a bit of drama around that, um, apparently, because at that time, um, this is, you know, in the late 60s, mm-hmm. depression, mental health was never talked about. No. no, <clears throat> and, no, no. and especially suicide. And so people didn't even know how to approach the topic <clears throat> or even talk about, you know, that somebody might be struggling right. with mental health. And so um, they didn't tell the community that they didn't tell their family um, because they didn't really know how to talk about mm-hmm. it. And so eventually my uncle found out, um, at a party. And so he essentially kind of rebelled, um, a bit and, and moved out to Los Angeles, pursued, uh, the rock star lifestyle. He was a drummer, a really fantastic drummer. Um, but got hooked on the wrong things, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And he ended up passing away when he was 53 years old from liver cancer. Mm. Um, and so, it's amazing to see how, you know, one suicide can affect an entire family generations down oh, the line. Yeah. Um, and that's that's essentially the story behind my mustache. I grow it for my family. I grow it for my mom, everything that she's been through. She's a rock. Um, but, yeah, so that's how I initially got involved um, in the campaign. And that's what's kept me going ever since. It's funny that you say that no one talked about it either because, I mean, I've dealt with, with – my my father's bipolar. He won't admit it. He's in his 70s, and that's fine. Like, we don't have a relationship, but I'm open and okay with it. 
And then his mother was severely bipolar. But I'm very, very, very strong Italian. And and she was just the crazy Italian lady that used to beat her husband with a frying pan because he would come home late and they'd be like, oh, my God, she's <laughs> out of her mind. Like, this is just who she is. But no one had any idea. And it was no one's fault. But no one really could understand why she did the things that she did. And with bipolar disorder and as a lot of, you know, mental health because it is its own thing, like that's addiction, right? So she was she would drink a lot and she mm-hmm. was addicted to gambling and my dad was an alcoholic and for some reason I'm not sure why I didn't become addicted to anything. I'm sure I am and I just can't really therapy isn't showing me that part part of the problem mm-hmm. because there's so many other problems, but it's so it's so crazy to see how generationally, right, your uncle didn't pass away from taking his own life, but there is that addiction, there is that mental health that is genetic, mm-hmm. and that's inevitably going to happen, and there's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, I know for me, they tell me it's like a 90% chance that my child is going to be bipolar, but at least if you know about it and you know how to deal about it with yourself and what you know how you can grow that baby to not be as nuts as you are mm-hmm. that helps so much but i look back at you know i i feel so terrible for my grandmother that anyone gave her that stigma of being the crazy lady because there was nothing that she could do about it nor did anyone know so my heart really goes out to you and to your mom because i know that feeling of what was there to do? Mm-hmm. There was nothing to do. And especially being a man, I feel like so many men, like getting back to the statistics, so many men don't want to talk about their mental health. And they're ashamed of that. And and it doesn't make them strong men that can take care of their ladies. Like, it that, that's just unfortunately not how it is. And... Um, Another story of, of, of mental health is um, my grandmother's uh, best friend, their son, was gay. And this was in – must have been in the 50s and it wasn't talked about. And it was all – then it turned into mental health and it turned into depression and no one really knew what to do. And so they put them – put him in a hospital and he ended up taking his life. Um, because still, even at the time of, of bringing someone into a hospital, there wasn't enough – known about it you know so it's 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 really important i think what you're doing what movember's doing obviously for for the cancer side of it but especially for the mental health because there aren't a lot of men that talk about it and it's so important to have someone like you on my show to you know let everyone know like he's a bro guys like he's a frat bro <laughs> like robert's a bro but like he's you, open and honest about it <laughs> Do you have a? Are most of the people that work with the Movember community are they mostly male? Um, that work for the foundation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the last time that I um, actually asked about that, it was fifty-one percent female. Um, so a lot of our leaders Whoa. are female. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I I love. I mean, I was raised by a single mom, and so I my boss is a female. Um, our chief fundraising officer is a female. So we have a lot a lot of females actually that work for the foundation. Because girls got to kick ass. That's gotta, right. Got to get shit done. <laughs> girls rule, like, yeah. That's how it has to be. <laughs> now, where do you see yourself kind of – do you see yourself being the voice of, you know, men's mental health and like growing with Movember? Are there other organizations that you know in Movember works with that are also in the mental health community? Like what is the goal for you? How yeah. can we help men? <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, – that's a really great question and – um 
Yeah, wow. So to speak a little bit about my role mm-hmm. w- within Movember. So I look after younger men, um, so specifically college-age men, 18 to 24 years old. Um, we have a, a wide variety of community members. Um, we have a lot of corporations that are involved in their workplace. Um, we have a lot of schools and colleges. And so where my passion lies is, is helping younger men mm-hmm. um, and educating these guys about mental health from a male's perspective. And one thing that we've learned is that a lot of the organizations out there that are that are mental health focused, um, they have a lot of female participation, but hardly any male participation. Mm-hmm. So the guys are just not really interested in the mental health topics um, that are going on. So how can we change that? Do narrative? you think it's because they're almost like embarrassed by it and don't want to admit that there's something there or that's just like how a dude is? Not a dude. So that's... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's honestly, there's, it's, it's probably both, um, essentially because we have a student ambassador program on college campuses and we have a community ambassador program for, um, all around the world for here in America and Europe and Australia. And so there are tons of guys that want to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so guys are looking around, looking for answers, looking for resources. But the one thing that we've learned is that a lot of guys won't go seek help. So they won't actually go to a doctor's office or a counseling center um, they won't make that next help. step. Right. Right. So everything that we're trying to do is going to where men are. Um, and so a lot of our funded uh, programs and the sites that we work with are community-based programs that are community-led. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for the stuff that we do with veterans and young men and boys of color, they're community-based centers, such as like a bike shop in Hawaii, a boys and girls club over in South Carolina. Um, so they're very community-based. And then we're also working on a lot of projects that are online. So we've learned that a lot of guys, uh, if they do sense something wrong, then they'll just research the hell out of it, right? Mm. And just keep digging in the internet, uh, trying to find a quick solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really no like easy answer that covers everybody. Everybody's no. different, especially with mental health. Right. And so everything that we're trying to do is understand these different demographics throughout the U.S., throughout the world, so we can tailor our, our programs specifically to certain individuals. Mm-hmm. So when you say, so, okay, I know that so many people that listen to this show or just even me in general, you know, you can go down a complete rabbit hole if you're putting in what your symptoms are. And, you know, always, it always ends on WebMD is like you're dying. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there is some trouble with, you know, researching and Googling online, and but you want to find that, that answer. Is there something on Movember where you guys have a list of ways that people can reach out. And I also know, not even just for men, but speaking as a girl, I have this weird fear of being on the phone with people. I don't know why. It's I can talk to anyone in person, any stranger, and be completely fine. But there's something about being on the phone that just, for whatever reason, it just like triggers me in a bad way. <laughs> and I know that I've been in spaces where I've been in a crisis mode where maybe I don't want to share it with my my mom and my family or maybe I don't want to, you know, share it with my boyfriend, whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people out there, right, that are yep. afraid to share with the people that are closest to them. But I can't imagine being the person that's, like, going to dial an 800 number, even in a crisis mm-hmm. mode, even if I'm, like, about to, like, do it, to do that phone call. And it's easier in text, and that's why I always talk about the crisis text, you know, yep. text line, because it's much easier. Mm-hmm. But what would you what would you recommend for, like, a guy's point of view, what 
they should do? Yeah. I'm asking you so many questions. I'm so no, sorry. This is, a, this this is, is like stressful. <laughs> yeah. So we um, we do have resources on our website for sure. Um, we we have crisis hotlines as as well as tips and tricks to help guys talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so simple things like sitting shoulder to shoulder can make a big difference. So a lot of times when you're looking face to face, you tend to you know freeze up. So and... we should have been shoulder to shoulder during this interview is what you're telling me. <laughs> no. But um, yeah, for future reference. Yes, okay. Now I'll know. Now with I'll guys. Know. But, um, but no, so for instance, like sitting in a car or at a bar, um, if you want to talk to a friend about, you know, how they've been um, behaving recently, if they haven't really been themselves, you know, ask them how they're doing, try and sit shoulder to shoulder and start the conversation off with something that they're familiar with, whether mm-hmm. it be sports or work or how they're doing in class, um, and gradually get into the conversation. Um, and so we have an acronym that we, that we like to say. It's ALEC, A-L-E-C, which is ask, listen, encourage action, and check in. So it's nothing really groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing there is to ask and to listen. Um, and a lot of times, especially with guys, we, we want to provide answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't really have to, actually. You just have to listen. Um, and people just need to talk about certain things and get things off their chest. And so listening and checking in are crucial um, when having these conversations. And so we have some more um, tips and resources on our website at Movember.com. Um, and we actually just launched a new um, video on our social media and our on our website about spotting signs um, within the men in your life. So when they change behaviors. Uh, so if they're what's you- like, what are the signs? Yeah, so it's it's um, it's a really cool video and it's really powerful. But things such as if they're usually really chatty in a group chat, and then all of a sudden, you know, for weeks they're not really right. chatty. Um, if they're usually a guy who likes to eat a lot, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, his diet starts to slow down, and when you're with him, he doesn't really eat a lot. Or if he's usually a big a big party goer, but he's He's starting to leave the party early or mm-hmm. not even show up. Mm-hmm. So it's these signs that we've kind of like always known about, but it's actually, instead of just wondering, actually just reaching out, mm-hmm. you know, and making man time is what we say. Mm-hmm. So making intentional man time um, with their friends in our life. And this is something huge for men after college. So what we found is that a lot of guys tend to go in a period of isolation and critical points in their life, such as when they lose a job, when they get a new job when they get married, when they have kids, when they get divorced. This, these periods, um, t- guys tend to feel very isolated and they don't really reach out to a lot of friends because a lot of times guys lose friends uh, mm-hmm. throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I, I think about the, the men in my life, like my dad and my stepdad and my uncles, you know, and, and how important it is for them to actually stay connected to one another mm-hmm. even, um, as well as their nephews and their sons and their friends because – as we go through life, we tend to just stop relying on our friends for it's some reason. So, it's so funny that you would say this because I've noticed this with, with friends and, and my boyfriend and everything. Like it, as they get older, their friendship circle – I mean and for me too in a different way. But it's because I'm like weeding out people that don't bring positivity to me and, you know, who are like bitches basically. <laughs> like sorry guys. Like you know who you are. Um, but – I find that I'm seeing that, that people are hitting these moments where they're either getting married and then they kind of disappear or they only hang out with their married friends or like you only hang out with couple friends. Like I'm saying for a guy, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying for girls or, you know, all of my boyfriend's friends have kids. 
and he would be so mad that I'm saying this, but he takes it so personally. And I'm like, it's not personal. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't have a child that you're like getting up at six in the morning to go to like a daddy and me class. Like, you're actually much happier in your life. I promise you. Like, (laughs) you're fine right now. (laughs) You get to sleep in. You're cool. But it's so it, it is interesting. And my cousins that just graduated from college. They're still close with their fraternity mm-hmm. brothers, but kind of not at the same time because they all went to college, you know, in a certain place and they've all like dispersed all across the country and like every single place. So it is interesting that you don't think about it's not abnormal that you do grow from friends, that mm-hmm. it's not a negative thing and it's not a personal attack. And I feel a lot of men feel it as a personal attack that they lose these friendships and these relationships. Right. And a lot of us don't even want to talk about issues that we might be struggling with. Um, and so to your point earlier about, you know, the stigma with mm-hmm. with mental health and, you know, especially around ma- masculinity um, and letting guys know that we all go through mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And so just because you, you might feel isolated at this period of time, no man is an island and we're all in this together. And I guarantee that somebody else is going through this with you that you just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why conversation is so, so crucial mm-hmm. um, and to actually make intentional conversation. Um, and so we just um, did a study with Movember and we interviewed um, a thousand people over the uh, over North America. And we found that over 75 percent of young men know that talking can help your mental health when you're going through a tough time. But over 50 percent of men say that they don't talk when they go through a tough time. So we know that we should. But for some reason, we're just not doing the it. The action isn't being made. Right. And so how, to your point earlier, of, of how can we have more organizations, more celebrities, more people talking about this, this issue, how can all, all of that eliminate the stigma and elevate the conversation so that more people just are comfortable talking about mental health mm-hmm. um, because we all go through it, right? It's not just mental illnesses, you know, and, and then everybody else is normal. No, mm-hmm. we're all, you know crazy in, in our own way. Mm-hmm. And we all go through ups and downs in life. Um, every single person. Every and if you say that person. you don't, you're a liar. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because even if it's a little bit, it doesn't have to be that you have, you know, something wrong with your brain and there's a chemical imbalance. It's just you're a human being and this mm-hmm. is how it is. Yep. And, it, and it's, it's it's hard to identify. I mean, as even as as a guy who works for the foundation, I, I struggle with my own anxieties, you know, through life up and up and down. And, and to my mom, you know, I used to call it um, the, the nervous feeling growing up. And now I call it a funk, you know, I'm in a funk and I can't get out of it. And I just don't know what it is mm-hmm. or what I can do. But it's finding these little life hacks that bring you back to, you know, who you are. Um, you know, like for me, it's surfing. And so for me, that's where I feel like most like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, where I can kind of step back from everything, especially living in L.A. I'm I'm still trying to figure L.A. out. Um, so <laughs> finding <laughs> these little things, whether it be running or surfing or going on a date or something like that where you can just, you know, actually – Find your true self. Um, I love that. So Everyone important. go on dates. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I already play matchmaker, so maybe this will help. <laughs> yeah, I am still single, so I so that's... so we'll put your <laughs> we'll put your Tinder page on there, and then we'll yes. let everyone oh, find God, it. <laughs> yeah, I need to reactivate my Tinder page then. <laughs> um, here's an interesting thing that I have seen with a lot of people that write into our show is they talk about, and we talk about it for the holidays as well, but we talk about loneliness, mm-hmm. and there are I think it's 
even though girls can be catty and there's issues, it's a lot easier. I mean, maybe just for me, but I've noticed that it's a lot easier for girls to kind of become friends Mm -hmm. because you can, it it just seems to be more natural. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but this is just my own personal experience. But when I get a lot of um, messages from male um, listeners, they always seem to be the the main subject is we're lonely and we do have that one coworker that we're like kind of friends with and we'll go to a bar with but we're not comfortable enough to even open up about our dating life or family history or anything like that and I think that that's kind of unless I, I there's something that's happening and there's some movement that I don't know about I think that's really hard for even if you're super close with your your friends like guy friends to open up it's really hard to find that male camaraderie unless you kept in contact with people from college or unless you have really cool worker friends but I mean the odds are you know I'm sure you have some here and there but you're not going to find a solid organic group of men it's not like a dating app where you can go on and like Mm -hmm. find dude I mean I know that Bumble did that for girls but I don't know (laughs) if there's like a guy one like that other than Grindr but that's for a different reason (laughs) But what would you say to guys out there who feel that loneliness? Yeah, um, I've definitely been there, um, and I, and I still go up and down with with that too. And so, I would say find just one guy um, mm-hmm. that you can go get coffee with before work, um, and don't just do it once. Do you know set a like a, a time span on? So we'll do this for three weeks, and then let's try and get somebody else to hop on board because. Mm-hmm guaranteed you're not the only one who's who's having those same thoughts um and making that intentional time of especially before work i started doing this um a few years ago and it like changed my life i started looking forward to this one hour with these three guys before work every week and i'd be i'd be going into work like fist pumping i'd be so pumped after and did you meet them through your work um, no 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 I, i met them just randomly one through a kickball um a kickball league, one through church, one like a friend of a friend. But when you get to, you know, like your mid-20s or mid-30s and you start moving around. It's so tough. Yeah, you don't have like a college class where you can just rely on people to no. And there's meet. also, you're not going to go to a club, right, and, mm-hmm. and find like your best guy friends. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have been surprised actually. Although happy. Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> when you're out, you know, and like, and you, you say, hey, nice shoes or hey, great mustache, you yeah. know, and yeah. um, you have one little thing in common and then you spark conversations like, dude, let's go surfing sometime or, I'll, you know, I love to get a beard and just dive more about this industry that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, a lot of people say, no, nah, I, I would never do that, but Guys really, really want that, actually. Mm-hmm. When a guy, you know, asks for my number or asks to go get a beer, I get pumped, man. I'm like, come on, let's let's go. Yeah. Let's invite a few other people, too, because it's it's so encouraging, and we need and more so people important. out there doing that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I really, I think that that's so awesome, because I think that that is so hard for every single person of finding. And I think the other problem is, is people don't think that you can find your, in quote, unquote, best friend in your mid-30s and mm-hmm. plus, right? They're like, well, that's for, you know, I had my childhood friends since I was 12 years old and we were friends for an X amount of years. And I'm really lucky. I have my best friend who's been my best friend since I was 12 years old and I'm 32. So we've been we've been together for 20 years, Jen and I. <laughs> um, but I, it's really hard, I think, for guys 
and I guess for girls, but you you have this stigma of like, oh, well, they're my friends, so I have to stay friends with them. And I, I can't have another best friend because you only have your real best friend when you're a kid. But I think that I have gone through so many ups and downs in my life where I have found friends who are some of my closest friends ever that I only met a couple of years ago. Yep. And I think that that's important for people to know that, that you go through these different chapters in your life and it's okay to have that friend when you were younger and it's okay that you're not friends with them anymore Mm -hmm. because people do grow in different ways whether it be because of marriage or kids or just different views in the world i know a lot of my friends who have become sober and can't go to the bars anymore and can't have those kind of guy friends that they used to and girlfriends and you know they feel like they're missing out because they're not going on the trip to Mexico and everyone's taking shots and like getting super fucked up and they feel like excluded and they feel depressed because of that mm-hmm. but they know that their choice is they have to stay sober it's their lifestyle yep. so i think that that's another hard thing to deal with that you're kind of normalizing. And I think that it's so important, this before work breakfast or coffee. <laughs> or coffee. Or, yeah, something easy. I mean, it doesn't have to be a three-hour get-together. You know, it could be something as quick as just one one beer after work. Yeah. Um, and and not being afraid to dive into deeper conversation. Right. Um, because while you think that, that you might need to let some things out, they might have a lot more that they need to let out as well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you think that you're doing something selfish by talking about your own issues and then boom, you hear their story and you just built this huge connection um, when you thought that you you were the only one that had something to say. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned working for Movember. I've built up the courage and the motivation to to talk about really difficult things and and admit my own insecurities. Um, And then, you know, it it encourages other people to talk about their own. And and that's when you build like these really tight friendships and Mm -hmm. where you can make best friends in your 30s because... You're actually vulnerable, and after one beer, you're talking about some serious things. Real serious stuff. Yeah. No, I think it's really awesome. Um, is there anything else that we can talk about in regards to Movember that we haven't touched on? Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm a, just asking you so many questions. Yeah, I no. just, I'm so. I just want to like divulge in this and like get into it. So there's there's a lot. Um, the one thing. So I mean. Most sisters is a huge thing. Um, and so working with women um, is, is crucial. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and getting the help of women to help us elevate this conversation, um, what we've learned is that women are um, the keys to every man's health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's always, you know, our mom or our girlfriend or a wife or a sister who's really pushing us to go to mm-hmm. the doctor to open up and talk about, you know, deeper issues. And for me, I'm thankful to have, you know, a, a mom who, you know, told me about um, her dad's suicide. And so because of that, you know, we've dove deep into um, depression within our family. And, you know, now I consider her one of my best friends and Aww, talking about, okay. you know, my emotional health, dating, you know, everything. Um, but it took, you know, a, a really uncomfortable conversation about depression within our family and, and her dad to have that. But I, I think I that's one of the things that, that we need help with at mm-hmm. Movember um, is the support of, of women to, to help us start these conversations and to really push the husbands, uh, the brothers um, to go to the doctor's office mm-hmm. uh, to get their, their PSA done if, if they're over the age of 45 mm-hmm. years old, which is for prostate cancer. Um, it's a blood test too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the old, you know, 
um, finger up the butt. So it's you know it's it's safe um, and it's it's harmless for guys. Um, and to encourage guys to check their nuts too. Yeah. Uh, to check their testicles. Um, that that's the most common cancer of young men under the age of forty actually is uh, testicular cancer. So um, starting those conversations and especially. The mental health and the masculinity piece of it, it's, it's promoting positive masculinity and healthy masculinity is how can we get um, the guys in your life to live healthier, mm-hmm. happier, and longer lives. Um, so, yeah, so that's a huge topic for us. Okay, well, that was amazing. Now, I'm going to ask you my final question, which mm-hmm. I ask everyone. <laughs> okay, Robert, what makes you get up in the morning and continue on with your life? That, that's a loaded question. Um, and wow, there's a few things. Um, but the biggest thing for me, honestly, is is um, essentially what I'm doing now and pr- promoting positivity um, and vulnerability and reducing the stigma around a lot of things, getting people to be their real self and be confident with it something that I still need to learn how to do um, and finding what really moves you and pursuing that. Um, you know, after working in finance for a while, I was trying to be a man that I thought I should be. Um, and it took a while and it's still, you know, the tugs at your ego, you mm-hmm. know, there's all these things that tug at your, your ego. And I read a book by Ryan holiday called ego is the enemy. Um, and it's incredible, but finding who do you want to be on your deathbed? This is getting dark, but this is what, no, this is what it, I think it, about. Listen, it's a, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you want to, what memories do you want to have when you're on your deathbed? Um, when you're laying there, you know, talking to your family, um, and thinking about the, the, for me, the man that I was, who do I want that man to be? Mm-hmm. So thinking forward and then actually pursuing that. Um, today, right now, because it's so easy to get caught and just drift through life um, doing what you're supposed to do um, and not taking risk or not helping people that you can help. Um, and so for me, that's that's what moves me. I mean, within that, you know, my family is really, really important to me. Um, and so they're on the other side of the country. And so being there for them, communicating with them on a, a daily basis as much as I try to, my friends, um, my faith, um, and for me, the ocean. I have mm-hmm. a, a little thing on my my wall. It just has four four words on it, and that's um, um, God, family, ocean, work. Um, and so those four things are kind of what I live for. Oh, the ocean just brings me back to who I who I am. You're a water baby. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the ocean. Me too. So. Are you? Yeah, <laughs> but okay. I don't surf. Because I need to know what's underneath me, but I'm a big scuba diver, so. Oh, okay. So, so as long as you have goggles on, then you're fine, right? I'm I'm great. I just would rather be underneath yeah. with them opposed to being on top. Yeah, I'm also not a good surfer, so I think that's why it. It takes some time, stopped. but honestly, it's but I mean, to each his own, right? Yeah. And with one of the like half of what I love about surfing is just sitting out there. Whether yeah. you're with your buds or just by yourself, just thinking about your. It's entire like meditation. Life. Yeah. And then you get slammed by a wave and you're like crawling yeah, no, no, up no. just to breathe. That's and not for me. <laughs> that juxtaposition between life and death is, is what I love. I'd rather, be under with the, I'd rather be under with the sharks than above yeah. with the possible like sharks coming to get me. Because yep. I'm not scared of sharks. 
I just got to see what's going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I have to say this. I'm sure, and I know that your mother is probably so proud, but I'm sure your grandpa is really proud. And it's so awesome to have you share your story because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people out there that have been through what you've been through. Yep. So, um, Robert, thank you so much for being on Emotional Support. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you so much for elevating the conversation around this topic as well. And I'm going to be a Mo sister. We're going to do this. Awesome. <laughs> We're glad to have you. I'm excited. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Movember. How cool was that learning about that organization and about all the cool mustaches and all the cute, cute little looks that they got going on all for a good cause. I'm going to have all the information up on the website, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. Um, And do me a favor. I know that when this comes out, it's going to be the end of November because that's when we're shooting it right now. But... Maybe you guys can all grow a mustache for the entire year to keep raising money and awareness for Movember. So be sure to tag me in those pictures, in those videos. I mean, I got to tell you something. I really got a thing for a man and a mustache. So just let yourself know that for right now. So please tell us what you think of the show so far. You can go to our website at EmotionalSupportPod.com. You can follow us on Emotional Support Pod. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We have the Facebook. We even have a Facebook group, which is incredible. I can't highly recommend it enough. Everyone from all over the world is chatting with each other. We're all there because we all have emotions and we all need support. So you can find that. Please rate, star, comment, like, share, review. I need this all for my ego because that's part of my emotional support. So please do this for me, guys. (laughs) Anyways, I love you so much, honestly. And thank you for being part of my emotional support. (laughs) 